1: Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we have an exceptionally special guest, Jackie Ryan. Jackie was in the midst of her career when she received a call that her dad had fallen and couldn't get up. It was a life-changing event for her family. She did about what any adult child would do. She hired a home healthcare agency. A home healthcare agency that one would expect would have thoroughly vetted their employees to take care of vulnerable elder people. She learned that that was nothing further from the truth. Six years with her dad, and then six months hospice care at home with her mom, she learned not only had she encountered unscrupulous caregivers, many others have also. There Are Solutions Other Than Agencies, and Jackie has written a book all about this, and we're going to talk about that today. So thank you so much for being here, Jackie. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Angel.
1: Yeah, I think you and I met at the National Publicity Summit, uh, so we want to give a shout out to those folks. And Jackie, I want to start our conversation today with the question of we all know that our, our elders are going to get elder, right? But oftentimes we don't want to think about that. And so I'm curious about, you know, when you were a young person, did you ever see modeled for you elder care? Like were your parents caring for their parents? Like, let's start there. Like where did we break In our culture is the real question. Where did we break in our culture from caring for our own elders?
2: Mm. Well, I think we might have broke before I became an adult, because there were times that we would have our grandparents living close by to help raise the kids. And sometimes that still happens in some of the families. But I think with divorce being prevalent, uh, back in the late 60s and in the 70s. And then the, with the divorces, the breakup, of the families and who goes where and things like this, it, it all breaks. And the grandparents then now feel useless because they're not close to their family. And the family, the kids have moved away for their jobs and for their careers and trying to raise their kids by themselves. And everybody's just too busy. And then the Grandparents are getting old by themselves and feeling useless, unfortunately, really. And, Mm. you know, we don't have the time where we don't have the grandparents living with us in the house anymore or even down the road sometimes. And Mm. like many families, I come from a divorced family and I returned home from Texas about 20 years ago because I saw my parents were getting old and I was concerned about that. And that's why I did return. It uprooted my life and my career in Texas to return to the state I am in now, to be closer to my family. But sometimes our parents didn't have a guidebook on how to raise us either. Mm. And sometimes it comes back to haunt them later.
1: Mm. I hear that. All right, well, let's talk about like precisely where were you at when you got this call? You said you were in the middle of your career. Like, what were you doing for work? Did you have your own children that you were raising? Like, can you just help position yourself where you were at when you got the call? Because I'm sure that we have listeners around the world that may be in that phase of their own life.
2: Yes, so- as I mentioned that I returned home. So I had a house built only not even a half a mile from my father. It was gracious. My father gave me 10 acres off the home place for me to build a house. I can see his house from where I live. That's how close I live to my father. And I lived about 20 minutes away from my mother. So I was in the area. And when I got the phone call from his friends who were down at his house and found him lying there, I went down there immediately within three minutes. And I tell you one part, Angel, is it's so important if I dare say if you're over 70 years old or so that you should get a life alert system of some sort. Because another story I've heard that somebody's had a stroke, they fell having a stroke and the phone was on the counter. So having a mobile phone is not good enough. You need to have a life alert system. I'm saying that for the reason I called 911. I had to repeat the address three times. Then I was transferred. (laughs) It's like after that, we got a life alert system. And so if there was a crisis that we could hit that button, somebody calls and they know everything is already arranged. So it's a very great device to have. And Mm. I think maybe even on some of the modern watches may have that now or something, but it's just really, I'm saying this, it's imperative to have a life alert system if you're over 70, 75 years old, because you never know if you're going to have a stroke or something's going to happen and you are on the ground your phone's in on the counter or someplace.
1: Mm. So that's what happened to your dad basically was he had a stroke
2: well, he he'd fallen and broke
1: his hip. Oh, he had fallen. So he had he he had not had a stroke. So he, he had was not had a stroke. okay. So he had just fallen and broken yes. his hip. Okay, so fast forward us to like what were some of the decisions that you guys faced that you and your dad faced when he broke his hip? I'm you know I'm sure he went to the hospital, probably had to go into recovery, but then the decision at some point was made for him to come back home again. So let's talk about that process. Like what were you experiencing and you personally, where were you at? Were you still working full time? Were you parenting? Like what was your circumstance? Because I think often we, we don't think about the adult children because now the focus is on the elder parent who has had some kind of breakdown in some way.
2: Yes. Yes. So, my profession has been real estate. And so, yes, it's commission only. No, I don't work eight to five, but I can work 24 hours, seven days a week if I choose to and things like that. So, you know, I can move things around to make things arrangeable, things like that. Now, if I was somebody that had a J-O-B eight to five job, as some of these other people do, it's very, very difficult. I mean, how are you going to find the support? When you're working a job and you're short on money and things like this, what happens in this particular situation, and probably like most of them, is that I knew of somebody that worked at a home care agency. So I just went with that one, that one. I didn't go interview two or three or four or anybody else. I just went with that one. That's a huge mistake. In any circumstance of anything, you should interview at least three different agencies, three different employees, employers, anything, do it at least three times. It was a, Critical mistake that I just went with the first one I knew because, well, I knew somebody over there, no big deal. And then it set up that my dad would arrange the payment. So, effectively, that my father hired the agency and paid the agency. I had no control of that. So, there we go.
1: Yeah. Well, so I'm going to kind of go a little bit into some of the legality pieces as well. I have a colleague who is a family law. She has a family law business where she helps people do it in a new way. And I think a lot of people don't think about how do we shield the assets or have things set up in a way that allows for protection for the financial part of it. So what I'm hearing here, Jackie, is that he broke his hip, but he probably still felt somewhat competent, right? you intervened to support him to find a a caregiving situation and he made the legal arrangements and contracted to pay them is that what i'm hearing that is correct all right and so let's go a little further into the story here was this intended to be like a short term recovery thing or like tell us a little bit more about exactly what happened with him did he heal from his hip did he end up in a wheelchair like did he debilitate in other ways what happened with him
2: so he fell and broke one hip and he was recovering and we did have one wonderful caregiver that was available part-time she'd come out maybe every other day or every day for about six hours and do things for him and we were probably lulled into this wonderful situation because Mary was such a wonderful caregiver and we'd encountered each other earlier at a church before years before or something. So it was wonderful. But then he fell and broke his other hip six months later. So then we go into full time care. And furthermore, is that's when we need more than one person. We need at least three people. And then so, yes, through the agency, we're trying to find people. And and as I say, one, we got to find somebody that's going to show up. two, show up on time, three, be engaging with my father and somebody that he's going to like and somebody that we're going to like. So that's big anymore that you have anybody that's one, going to show up to show up on time and three, be engaging and not sit on a couch on their phone, texting all the time out of eyesight. Mm. Big.
1: Yeah, really big. So let's talk a little bit more. What happened? What ended up happening after he broke his other hip?
2: So we went through a string of different caregivers and then Mary stayed on for a little bit. And then another lady came in. We call her Claire. And Claire, yes, showed up, showed up on time, very engaging, had a great smile. We liked her. My dad liked her. And here we go. And I thought that I'd made a new best friend because she cared about my dad and she was texting me and let me know how he ate or how his mood was that day and everything. And it's like, I finally found somebody through the agency that's going to take care of my dad. And we worked cattle together and we did things together. She'd invite me to go to dinner with dad and her and things. So I thought it was fantastic until it was probably about, Six months or so later, I found a receipt on the counter for $900 for tires. And my dad's truck didn't need tires, and her car had new tires. So the critical mistake i we made as a family because we were so excited about Claire mm. that we called Dad and Claire into a family meeting, and she whined, and it was just alone and I'm sorry, and Dad was apologetic basically that he got caught. We didn't let the agency know, uh-huh, we should have just had her fired, boom, that would have been it, but. What happened is they went more underground after that and less communication and more secretive and slipping money to her and taking care of her grandkids camps and taking care of her car or paying off her mortgage.
1: Wow. Okay. well, we're going to go to the break already. We're already at the break. But listeners, we want you to hear what happened here And uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to let you know how to find out uh, more about this story and about the book that Jackie has written about it. But right now, we are going to break. Wickedly Smart Women. We need your help. If you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content, especially if they're in. Wyoming. I am on a mission to get a download in Wyoming, even though we're downloading in 95 countries. And one of our episodes just ranked at number two in entrepreneurship in the Bahamas. uh, And we're ranking at 34 countries. Wyoming is still naked in in my map. So please share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content in Wyoming. I want to thank all of our listeners who are downloading all over the world, rating and reviewing. And we want to shout out this week to our listeners in Arkansas, where Jackie is, as well as to our listeners in, we'll just do the A's, Argentina and Australia. And we will be right back with Jackie Ryan. And we are back with Jackie Ryan. Jackie has written a book, and the book is called Caregivers, Scaretakers, and the subtitle is Exposing Fraud in Senior Care. You can find out more about the book and access it through her website, Caregivers, Caretakers, and our team will have that link for you in the show notes. So before we went to the break, we got to the part of the story where the downward spiral began, where, you know, there was a revelation that money was going out that was uh, not relative to the caretaking. And then it became even more of a subterfuge. So Jackie, what I'd love to have you do now is just fast forward us to what inspired you to write this book because i think we really want to make sure that our listeners who are potentially in a facing a situation like you were in we want to make sure that they they have a really clear understanding of why it would be important for them to access this book
2: it's very important because i thought and and people feel like we're alone on an island when we're having to care for our loved ones that, you know, we've got our job out in the front. We've got to put on our happy face and go to work and everything. But there's something else going here in the background that we can't share or talk about. Then my mom was on hospice care and I had to deal with agencies and narcotics being stolen in the first four days with that. So what my book will show is how to better qualify agencies, better qualify the caregivers, how to avoid the pitfalls and mistakes that we make while we're in a crisis-driven situation. It exposes the industry riddled with unscrupulous people who are preying upon the seniors. And while there are good people and good agencies, this will just help you better scrutinize. It can help you avoid the personal mistakes I made, such as befriending the caregiver, thinking they're honest to find out that she had a jail record, <laughs> she had a jail record. So it is a business relationship. It's hard to see that, but this is a business relationship. They are supposed to be getting paid to take care of your loved one, and that's it. So don't become friends with your employees. So that's that's very important there.
1: Yeah, my dad used to say, "Don't shit where you eat."
2: Um, <laughs> your yeah, dad. I I heard about your story some, and my dad is. Similar to your dad, Angel, and he was a narcissist. Yeah, and I loved my dad because he was my dad. I didn't stroke his ego because I just loved him as my dad. Mm. But this care caretaker would stroke his ego and make him feel important because he's who he is and so she's gonna do this and oh it's a time change let me roll the clock back for you I'll make sure you get up on time because nobody else cares to do that for you I mean that's and she would put other people down to build herself up and Mm -hmm. I mentioned that she had a very engaging personality and a great smile and later I learned that's why she was in jail was because of meth her teeth weren't real
1: oh boy okay (laughs) So what I'm hearing here too is, and I just want to affirm with you that I'm hearing this, that part of the process that you experienced was not only were there monetary losses, but it also sounds like there was a separation or isolation or, yeah, Absolutely. I'm I'm not even sure what the correct word is, but isolation is the best word that I can isolation. come up with, where she Isolated. Him. Isolated him and separated him from anybody friends who. Yeah, friends and family. Yeah.
2: Yes. They would go to her family for Thanksgiving instead of being with his family here. Yes, he was invited, but he would choose to go with her which she would get paid double time on holidays.
1: Right. And did he end up also having some kind of weird uh, relationship with her as well? Like like you formed a quote unquote friendship with her, but it sounds like did he also form some or was some kind of relationship formed?
2: He was always calling her. He was calling her all the time. He was calling her. And I got in the way once because they were going to go to Houston to see his sister, and I said, well, I'd like to go to Houston to see my aunt. You know, so I got in the way of that. And then he got really upset that I got in the way of it and was calling Claire at 4 a.m. in the morning and stuff. And he was horrible, horrible to me, horrible on the trip. Mm. And because he wanted her with him and not me, mm. he always wanted she would go take him fishing. He loved to go fishing. So she would take him to a place two hours away to go fishing. She would have that quality time with him where I could not and did not. And I didn't know what was happening until it was too late. I didn't realize she had already had her claws in him so deep that anything. And so when I realized who and what she was, it just further separated us because she knew that I knew about her. Mm -hmm. And so she used every opportunity to put me down. She used opportunities to put other caregivers down to build herself up. Mm, Nobody but her can take care of him and nobody does anything around her, but here, but her and all this. And 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 so
1: there was a lot of enmeshment there as well is what I'm hearing. So. So let's fast forward, because we've only got a couple minutes left, and I want to make sure that our listeners really know, you know, we've already heard a few things. First of all, uh, make sure that your elders have life alert, anybody over 70, 75 years old. Secondly, be mindful before it's too late to have those conversations with your elders about long-term care, about the financial assets, about all of those, you know, decisions that you had to make in an emergency situation, right? And we do have the capacity to set things up in advance, you know, to either get long-term care insurance or shield our assets in trusts or things like that. The third thing that I heard was, really use the rule of three, Interview three different agencies, interview three different employees within the agencies, interview three different maybe clients of the agencies to get their experience. So the rule of three, don't just go with the one that seems the easiest, which is something that normally when you're in an emergency situation, you're going to just like, we want to resolve the emergency as quickly as possible. But in your case, what I'm hearing is that was detrimental to make that decision. And then the final thing that I heard was to really hold any kind of caregiver relationship as a business relationship. And if any kind of enmeshment starts to happen, like nip that in the bud as quickly as possible and don't let it get to the point where it did with your dad. So in the last couple of minutes we have, Jackie, is there anything else you want our listeners to know Like, did this situation resolve or is there anything else you'd like them to know about the book or some of the things that you would recommend that they think about if they're facing the same situation?
2: You know, Angel, it's always just a very difficult conversation to have with your parents about their last quarter of life. Okay, so maybe if we turn it around, because I mean, what happens to you or your family if you're in an accident tomorrow? Is your own being taken care of already? So maybe instead of talking to your parents, to them about what they're going to do, I don't know, maybe turn around and say, well, OK, if something happens to me and my husband that dad and mom, we've got this in place and this is about, this is what we're going to do and everything. And this is the important part, Angel, is that, you know, who's going to take care of us later? Is the question. And part of it is Are these employees, these caregivers, are they fingerprinted? Are they background checked? Are they drug tested? There you go. There's three questions right there. Are they fingerprinted, background checked, drug tested? Some hmm. states don't require fingerprinting. My state does not require fingerprinting. We're working hmm. on it. Hmm. So it's, and that, that's why it's kind of an urgent thing, not only for our own parents, but for us today. Because mm-hmm. ten years from now, I mean, right now, I got some statistics. There's 77 million of us baby boomers. Ten thousand people a day are turning 65 years old. Four thousand people a day are turning 85 years old. I'm a baby boomer, like most of us are. And okay, not only are you taking care of your parents, who's going to be taking care of you five or ten years from now? And this is why it's so important to me and to everybody because it's not just about your parents; it's about you as well. Are mm-hmm. you going to be prepared? Or who's going to take care of you when you're lying there with a broken hip or something's happened.
1: Yeah. Well, put the oxygen mask on you first. What I really loved about that piece too, Jackie, is that what I heard there is not only the invitation to be self-responsible, but also the invitation to model for your parents what is self-responsibility in a way where it's not like you are trying to take power from them, but you're opening up the doorways for those conversations that may not have been had. So, all right. Well, I highly encourage you listeners, wherever you're at on this journey, and we have a good massive segment of our audiences right in that uh, zone of either you know you're getting ready to do elder care for your elders or you may be approaching that time where you're facing your last quarter of life. So, you know most of our our listeners are probably more in the place where they are looking at taking care of their elders. so we definitely want to encourage you to reach out to Jackie at caregiverscaretakers.com, which we'll have that for you in the show notes. And listeners, we do love feedback. I really was impressed with Jackie's willingness to take her trash and turn it into treasure for you when I met her and that's why I invited her to be here on the show. So, uh we definitely want feedback about this episode. Please let us know what you thought of the show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading,
0: and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.